Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's Word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Welcome back to Truth Pod, and thank you for downloading this podcast. Do me a favor. If you have found these podcasts to be a blessing to you, please tell someone about Truth Pod so they can be blessed as well. As of this writing, I am at Walmart. About an hour ago, a couple of uh, Latino men were looking at boom boxes for work. I said, hey, I have this one, and I pointed to the one I had, and I really like it. Matter of fact, I have both systems. I pointed to the other. They were looking at two different systems, one for work and the other for my garage. I told them which I like best and about the features they had to offer. They bought the one I recommended. That made me feel good, you know. Um, <laughs> of course, they were looking at two, but I had re- recommended one out of the two, and I have them both. Um, I said that to say this. We have the greatest gift ever offered to any person. Knowledge of Jesus Christ and how to have a relationship with him. This gift of salvation was never meant to be kept to ourselves or exhibited on Sunday only. Jesus said, go and tell. If you're excited about something, you love to tell people about it. That new dress, or that new truck, or maybe even a new boombox. The point is, we talk about what we love. So talk about Jesus. He won't mind. Let me turn the corner here and talk about a song I just read the lyrics to. I want to preface it by saying, when I think of Jesus, I think he never had a care in the world. I mean, he is God, right? But the Bible calls him the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But I don't think it's his sorrows or grief he's acquainted with. I think it's ours. The song, Man of Sorrows. Man of Sorrows, Lamb of God, by his own betrayed. The sin of man and wrath of God has been on Jesus laid. Silent as he stood accused, beaten, mocked and scorned, bowing to the Father, he took a crown of thorns. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me. Now my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise and honor to thee. Sent of heaven, God's own Son, to purchase and redeem, and reconcile the very ones who nailed him to that tree. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your loved ones, or where your love poured over me. Now my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise and honor to thee. Now my debt is paid, it is paid in full, by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me, whom the Son sets free, oh, is free indeed. Now my debt is paid, it is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me, whom the Son sets free, oh, is free indeed. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation where your love poured over me, Now my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise and honor unto thee. 
See the stone is rolled away. Behold the empty tomb. Hallelujah. God be praised. He's risen from the grave. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out for me. Now my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise and honor unto thee. Praise and honor unto thee. This song pretty much says it all, don't it? By the way, it was written by songwriters Crocker, Matthew, Philip, Leiterwood, and Brooke. Let's take a moment and bless the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price Jesus paid so that I could come to you, so that the one listening could come to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and, and your patience on the cross, as I talked about last week, that though men mocked you, you were very patient and loving. Thank you for the cross. Father, open our eyes in this series to understand the cross better. Help us in today's study, Lord God, to understand better what was happening on the cross when Jesus was hanging there. Father, I pray your touch upon the listeners, your blessings be upon them, that you would keep them by your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. The Road to Golgotha. This is the series I am currently in, talking about the final week of Jesus' earthly ministry. He came to seek and to save the lost. That hasn't changed. He's still seeking as a shepherd would a lost sheep. His earthly ministry was that of redemption, buying by, back that which was given away by Adam and Eve. That left you and I bound to sin and shackled by our weaknesses. Things seem to have gone from bad to worse ever since the garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. We have seen what was in the cup. You do remember the cup, don't you? Matthew twenty six thirty nine. and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This cup he accepted because it was the father's will. He could have refused the cup, but that would have displeased the father. Someone had to pay for man's sin debt. He was the one. It was a shocking moment for his disciples when he was arrested in the garden by the mob. All the disciples had fled from him as if to disown him. Matthew twenty six thirty one says this, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now let's turn to Scripture. Luke 23, 34, in the English Standard Version, says this, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If you haven't noticed it yet, I will give you the heads up. I'm not talking about the events of the cross as they transpired in most cases, as I try to, to but sometimes I feel the need to jump from place to place. So bear with me, please. I, I don't, you know, do them in the order 
as they happened, you know, in, in other words. In all cases, most times I really try to stick to all that. But sometimes I, you know, I I don't know, I'll bring in this subject and then it's not in the order it precisely happened. So just bear with me, please. I hope I clarified that. I'm using just one main text today, but it is full of love and mercy. The Son of God is making a request to the Father. Now this request, I, I most assuredly tell you, I, I could never make it. I don't think I could. I don't know. I mean, I'm not there at the point of death where, you know, people are, say, with Stephen, they stoned him and he cried this out, you know, to Father, forgive him. I don't know if I could. I mean, these abusers and these wicked people, but Jesus is doing this at the cross. He's making a request to the to the Father. The place where he's at, he's hanging naked on a cross to be shamed and humiliated for all to see. His nervous system has been shocked by nails driven through his hands and feet. His body is in full agony. He is, you know, completely searing his body is searing with pain and agony at this moment um <clears throat> how he could think about anything else but what's you know happening to his body is beyond me in spite of all this he has been suffering while on the cross he has still found time to re to receive a repentant thief and he still has time to pity his grieving mother. Now he's praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But the question comes to mind, who is he talking about? Forgive who? I would love to tell you that I have no problem forgiving people. Okay, I'd love to tell you that, that I have no problem forgiving people when they've wronged me. Like you, I too struggle when it comes to forgiveness. If it's someone I love, it's easier. You know, let's put it that way. It's easier to forgive. If it's someone who doesn't plan on changing, well, that's a different story. I, you know, I struggle with forgiveness as well um and there's others i could add to that list you know that i i struggle with forgiving i'm glad god doesn't struggle when it comes to forgiving me when i humble myself and repent before him i'm going to be rude here a little bit well i was always told it was rude to point at people my argument for that is how will you know who I'm talking about if I don't point? So first I'm going to point at some people, his disciples. And these are all the ones I'm pointing at are possible candidates he could be talking about. So follow along with my thinking, please. So first let's point at the disciples. I'll bring you in with me. I mean, come on, where are these guys when he needs them? These men had walked with him for three years, and now they're nowhere to be found. He can look to his right, and there's no Thomas. He can look to his left, and there's no 
of James. I mean, there's there's nobody there. His disciples, men he had counted on, men he had uh, broke bread with, men he had, uh, you know, laughed with and had, you know, just did things together. They walked for miles together. They talked and they got to know each other. And now looking, where's Peter? You know, looking and, and he don't see the men he walked with because, of course, the scripture had said, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. These are what you would call, you and I would call fair weather friends. I mean, it really seems that way, that they're there when things are great. The healings, the miracles are taking place. The dead are being raised, you know. 5,000 plus are being fed, and then another time 4,000 some people are being fed, and <clears throat> they're all there. <clears throat> you see Andrew in the picture, and you see some others in the picture, and and now nowhere to be found. He can't lean on them and say, man, I'm hurting. My heart's breaking. Look what they've done. He can't lean on them. They're not there. Do you have friends that are fair-weather friends? I'm sure you do, right? Fair-weather friends, people who like to be around you when things are great. But you go through something and they're gone or nowhere to be found. You call them up and they don't answer. You know, we all have those friends. Matthew was one of the most hated men in Jerusalem because he was a tax collector. You know, he would skim off a lot of the money for himself. And so he would tax them more than he was supposed to. And he could get more money that way. You know, he was a tax collector. Jesus walked by and one day he walked by uh, Matthew's uh, tax booth. And he says to Matthew, follow me. Follow me. And Matthew got up and left. And when he left... He left all that life of shame and disrespect, and Jesus gave him a life of honesty and dignity. Jesus was acquainted with Peter's family. He knew Peter's wife and mother-in-law. Matter of fact, he even healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever in Matthew 8, 14 through 15. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother or mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and began to serve him. These men were nothing until they met Jesus. Peter was just a fisherman trying to eke out a living, trying to make it work, trying to, you know, just to survive, basically. They, they didn't make a lot of money. He was by no means rich. Matthew had a lot of money, but he was desperately poor in his heart. And they were nothing. These men were nothing until they met Jesus. Had they refused to follow him, history would have just left them nameless in the dust. But following Jesus made their names endure for the past 2,000 years. I could forgive John because he at the cross you know, because he was at the cross, John was, but Peter, he denied Jesus, unacceptable. And Judas betrayed him, 
for 30 pieces of silver. Is this the ones he's referring to when he says, Father, forgive them? Could it be these men? I'm going to point my finger at a different group, the religious leaders. Now, here's the biggest bunch of phonies you'll ever run across. There were a few who were legitimate, who were righteous, only a very few in this bunch, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. But they weren't with this crowd at this moment. They weren't with this group at this moment. It only takes a few bad apples in a bunch to give everyone a bad name, as they say. These guys never met a dollar they were too embarrassed to take off the poor. They dogged Jesus every step of the way since he started his ministry. They wouldn't even send or they would even send emissaries to try and trap him in his words so they could accuse him. In Luke twenty, twenty two it says, Is it lawful? And they asked him this, one of their emissaries, is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? They hated Caesar. They weren't really interested in the legality of the tribute. If he said, no, don't give it, then they could report him to Rome. Another time, they tried a different approach, a moral one. Again, not really caring about the real issue. John 8, 4 through 5, and they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They would continue to persecute him, even as he was hanging on a cross. There was no pity in their hearts for him. I wouldn't forgive this bunch. They were instigators from the beginning. They would never change. Were these the ones he was talking about? When he said, Father, forgive them. I got another group I should point my finger at, those Roman soldiers. There is nothing ever recorded in Scripture where Jesus assaulted a Roman soldier. On the contrary, anyone could approach him with a need, and he would help them. Case in point, Matthew 8, 5 through 7, in the English Standard Version, when he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And Jesus said, and he said to him, I will come and heal him. If Jesus were one of the religious leaders, he no doubt would have ignored the pleas of this Roman official. But no one, he spoke the word. But no, he spoke the word, and the man's servant was healed. The Roman soldiers were all trained to be ruthless. Their motto was kill before the arm, the other army even has a chance. And we can't forget what they did to him. They beat him without mercy. They humiliated him in public view. And finally, they nailed him to a cross. These definitely don't deserve forgiveness. Don't even ask. But it could, could it be these he was talking about when he said, Father, forgive them? I have one more group to point at. You and I. 
you might quickly jump up and say, what did I do? And maybe that objection satisfies your conscience. But listen to what the Apostle Paul said about you and I. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. That means every one of us. That means every individual that draws a, a breath on planet Earth from the president on down to the least person you could think about, to that hobo, to that a uh, person who's homeless to the, you know from the grandest to the lowest of the stock all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God what's he talk about falling short missed the mark the mark perfection we've all missed it and there's no way we can measure up to it we've all fallen short we've all sinned missed the mark fallen short of the glory of God, all of us. I, you know, it that that puts us all on a level playing field. Okay, we're all in the same boat. Romans three ten through eleven says this: As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. These are indictments drawn up against you and I. Apart from Christ, notice that apart from Christ, we are all filthy sinners. Filthy sinners. We do our own thing, seek our own way. We satisfy our own hungers. We're depraved and lost without Jesus. Totally lost. We've hated him without a cause. We don't want anything to do with his, his salvation, his changing our lives. We love holding on to our drugs. We love holding on to our alcohol. We love holding on to our debaucheries. We love holding on to our porn. We love holding on to our adulteries. We love holding on to these things and we don't want God to take them away from us. So we don't want to surrender our lives to him. All have sinned. There is none righteous. No, not one. Every one of us are guilty before God. Every one of us will stand before God. And give an account of our lives one day. And, and Paul has drawn up these indictments against us. And in Romans uh, 6, 23, it says, The wages of sin is death. So if I want, I can hold on to my bottle of alcohol. I can continue my gambling addiction. If I want, I can still hang on to these things. But the, the price I pay will be death. Now, I'm not condemning people because they're hooked on drugs, because they're hooked on porn, because they're hooked on alcohol or whatever it may be that they've got a hold of that they don't want to let go. I'm not condemning. I'm pointing out that this is, I believe, a group of people that we could point our finger at. 
And we could say we have all sinned. We've all sinned and maybe, just maybe, we're the ones he's talking about when he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. They don't know what they do when they've driven the nails through my hands. They don't understand who they are nailing to a cross. These Roman soldiers had no idea he was the Son of God. I believe these religious leaders actually knew he was the Son of God. But Jesus is imploring for them. I believe that Jesus is crying out, Father, forgive them to his disciples, about his disciples. I believe his, he's crying these things out, Father, forgive my disciples. Father, forgive those religious leaders. Father, forgive those Roman soldiers. Father, forgive that sinner. That sinner. Forgive that lost one. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. Now, you and I might struggle with forgiveness, but I don't think he does. You and I might get tripped up and say, I'll, I won't ever forgive that individual. But I don't think Jesus ever got to that place. Especially here, hanging on a cross, he has every opportunity to say, Father, look what they've done to me. Look how shamed they have made of me, the shame they've made of me, and the humiliation they've brought upon me, and, and how they've ruined me. <clears throat> Father, look at my body, it's beaten and, and bloody. Look at the nails in my hands and feet. Father, I don't think they deserve to be forgiven. Look at it. But he didn't. He didn't. He never looked at this about being about him. Except that he was the sacrifice. He was the sacrifice. Father, forgive them. Now God, because of this request, could grant total and complete forgiveness to anyone who would call upon the name of Jesus because Jesus asked and made this request to the Father. Father, forgive them. I'm so happy he did. I know I get emotional about it and you're probably tired of my emotion and think, you know, whatever about it, but I don't care. <laughs> Because I remember when he changed me. I know when he changed me. And when those words echoed down through, through the centuries, Father, forgive him. He forgave me. Oh, I'm not perfect yet. I know that. And everybody can stand up and say amen. But, you know, He's still working in me. He still loves me. He's still changing me. And he's still forgiving me. My friend, he loves you.
And echoing through the ages of time will be those words, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. And all you have to do is like that thief. I want that. I want that. Can I have that, please? That forgiveness? I want that in my life. And you know what? You'll get it. And you can have it. And it'll be yours. <clears throat> the great thing about it <clears throat> is that all your sins will be washed away. All of it. All the past. All the humiliation. All the humiliation. All the shame that you and I have on ourselves will be all washed away. If you can't see the correlation there, I'll draw it for you. See, he suffered shame and humiliation so ours could be taken away. Thank you, Jesus. I, I just feel like that's a moment to say thank you, Jesus, for taking my shame on you on the cross, for taking my humiliation upon your body on the cross. Thank you. Thank you. My friend, he loves you. He loves you and he wants you to spend eternity with him. He loves you immensely enough to go to a cross and die so that he could request to the Father, Father, forgive them. And so that the Father would answer that request. Forgive who? Well, I think it's covered, don't you? Forgive who? Next week, we'll continue on the road to Golgotha. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of his family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. Second, believe that he died for you and ask him to forgive your sins. Third, thank him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.